this week, as I was sharing with you about the Quick Tip Tuesday, where I shop for holiday decor, it reminded me of um, the early days of home, not ownership, but just being out on my own. And I mentioned to you that in those early days, I bought boxed sets for my ornaments. And that got me thinking about what else happened in the early days of um, home ownership. And I mean that not necessarily in that I owned my home. My first home, of course, living out on my own was an apartment and I didn't own that. So I'm, I'm meaning this more globally when I moved out on my own. And it got me thinking about things I wish I would have known then about home decorating. Things that I wish I would have um, paid attention to wish I would have known. And and I'm bringing some of that to you today because some of us might still be there. Some of us might be in our first home. Some of us might be um, having just moved out. Some of us might have been living in a home where we literally have the same furniture that we had 20 years ago or furniture in the same place that we had it when we moved in. We have not moved that furniture. So some of us might still be kind of stuck there at the beginning, even though time has moved on. And so we're going there today. We're talking about six things I wish I would have known about home decorating when I decorated my first home. I hope these tips inspire you as you begin or continue taking your home from just a home to a home that you love coming home to. All right, let's dive in. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is. But our culture has shifted and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget. Like ramen eating, goodwill shopping budget and I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style, where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. By the time I moved out of my home, went through the dorm experience, went through the living with my college roommates experience. By the way, six girls, one bathroom. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) Um, And then moved on into my own apartment. By that time, I had collected a few things, but not really. I was still in the dregs of, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And not really able to afford a whole heck of a lot. My first apartment had cinder blocks and wood planks for bookshelves and (laughs) borrowed furniture. We got a, a chair from Greg's parents, which was so cozy. And we kind of, you know, we, we claimed dibs on who got to sit in the nice chair. And of course we had the hand-me-down futon and we did have though, an Ikea $60 table. By the way, this was the most amazing table. It was solid pine. Of course, pine is a soft wood, so it did indent, but that table moved with us 
a lot. It moved with us from Washington a couple times into different places in Washington and then all the way to Iowa. And that table went from our dining table to a craft table. And gosh, I wish I had that table back. It was the best craft table. Mr. Fig and Farm, if you're listening to this, I kind of want that table back. Think you can make me one? Okay. All right. We're moving on here. I digress. But the, the point is our first home was very humble. It was very humble and we didn't have a whole lot. And when we did move into um, a home that was a purchased home from that rental, we didn't take our cinder blocks. We didn't take our wood slatted bookshelf. We started fresh. And when we started fresh, it was exciting. And we painted so much in that first weekend. And even if we wouldn't have owned the home that we moved into, we would have gone gangbusters on decorating. We would have gotten the the shower curtains and we would have gotten the curtain curtains and we would have done the, the art in up hanging it hastily. And it would have been fast because we were excited. And that excitement is wonderful because it's something new, a new place, a new adventure. But I think in retrospect, I wish I would have slowed down a little bit. And I wish I would have taken a little bit more time in order to make decisions that would have saved me money in the long run that would have um, helped my home feel a little bit more cohesive and a lot more me, to be quite honest. So I'm going to tell you six things I wish I would have known when I moved from my apartment that had humble beginnings to my first home. And this home, of course, was an owned home. And if you're listening to this and you don't own your home, I do want you to have hope because you probably have very a very blank canvas and Wowzer, you can do a lot with a blank canvas, even if those walls are white and you love color. So if that is you, I do want you to reach out because girlfriend, I have plans for you and I have um, great, great ideas for how you can turn that, that rented space into a wow space and you don't have to be limited by a mortgage. So, but today I am talking about what happens when you can have a little more control over paint and you can Um, have a little more control over what you have on the walls and in your home. So here we go. The six things I wish I would have learned um, or I wish I would have known when I opened the door um, to my very first home and just went all gangbusters on paint everywhere. (laughs) What I wish I would have known. The first thing is I wish I would have just taken a deep breath for a second. We were so excited. We got the key to the house. We moved in. It was October and holy smokes, the, the place was lit up in a way that wasn't because of the lighting. It was because of the abundance of fall colors coming in through a sunny day windowscape. We were living in Iowa and we had the the biggest maple tree out our front window and it was burning with bright, bright yellow leaves. So we were living in a 1950s home, right? 1950s, cute little cottage. And this tree was planted in the 1950s. Of course, we now lived in this home in the 2000s. So this was a 50-year-old tree. Ginormous. And ginormous means that it has a lot of leaves in the fall. That's great. It also meant a workout because we were still too poor to buy a leaf blower. And so we raked and raked and raked and raked and 
honestly, I wish my kiddos could have jumped in those leaf piles because man, they were big. Okay. The excitement of moving in was fantastic. And we didn't really allow ourselves a chance to sit in our home with having our humble beginning furniture before we started making changes. And I wish we would have taken a little bit more time. Taking a little bit more time means being intentional with your decisions, being intentional with the way that you're saving your money and being mindful of the options in front of you. I also know that that can mimic indecision. And so if you are, if you are in a place where you are saying, yep, that's me, I'm taking my time. It's been 15 years (laughs) and I still haven't made that decision because I can't figure out what color I want to paint the house. This can still apply to you. All of these things can still apply to you. So what would I have done? What would I, what's the first thing I would have done? I would have thought about the color palette I want. When you think about your home and when you think about it in its blank slate, think about that blank slate as being your foundation. What do you want to lay on your foundation? It's going to be everything that you build upon. At the time of moving in, our foundation was very blocky. One room was one color, the next room was one color, the next room another color, and it just kept moving like that throughout the home. And that's not a bad thing when you have closed doors, but when you have an open concept home, it can become a little bit choppy. And so I wish I would have taken a little bit of time to really contemplate that. Of course, I love the colors, and at the time of moving in, that was kind of the style. But right now, that isn't quite the style. Right now, you might have an accent area, but you would see that same accent area reflected somewhere else in your home in order to make that look cohesive. And that was not the case in my home that had a red sunroom, a blue dining room, not really blue, kind of periwinkle, and so on. So I wish I would have taken a little bit of time to think about what color palette I really like. What what is the base foundation and what colors do I want to be the accent? I may have still had that bluish periwinkle color in the dining room, but I may have had it in smaller tones and I may have had that repeated in the living room in pillows or in the sunroom in art or a rug on the floor. I may not have had the access to the color formula that I teach you girls how to use, but I sure wish I did and you have access to it. So here's what it is as a repeat. It is in a previous episode, so go back and listen to that, but here it is. When you're thinking about a color palette, you want to think about making a formula and that formula is three or four numbers equaling 100. 100 is the completion of your home. And the biggest number you want to have is your foundation color. Now, I always recommend having that foundation color being at least 50%, but sometimes it's 60, sometimes it's 70. And sometimes if you really love like bright and airy, it is 80 or 90. But generally sticking around 60% of that foundation color, let's say light, light mushroom. We're going to go mushroom. Mushroom is kind of a grazy taupe. It's, it's grayish. We're just going to go grayish. 60% is grayish. And you're going to then choose a couple accent colors. You're going to have a heavier accent color, one that appears not necessarily in saturation heavy, but in repetition heavy. You're going to have that color appear more often. And then you're going to have a third color. Now, if you are a fan of color and you just want vibrant, vibrant, vibrant everywhere, 
you can still have that same formula. You can have 60 plus 40 equals 100, and 40 is going to be color. And you're going to have the blues and the greens and the yellows and the reds and the oranges and all those colors that you love. But it's going to be, again, repeated somewhere else so that that doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like those colors are there for color's sake. It is still there with intention. Okay, so back up. Let's say you are not that color girl. Let's say you have, you really want blue as an accent color and you really want greens as an accent color. So you'll have 60% as a mushroom plus we'll say 30% blues. And I don't mean just one shade of blue. I mean multiple blues. 30% of the decor and the textiles and the artwork and all of the all of the peripherals are going to be 30%. And then the 10% is going to be greens. And 10% can be greens in the artwork, the textiles. It can also, and we're not going to put plants in there actually, because plants are a bonus and plants are gratuitous in any color formula anywhere. So you have your color formula. You have 60 mushroom, you have 30 blue, and you have 10 greens. And again, not just any green, you have lots of different shades of green. And that is your color formula. And I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have. Of course, you can play around. You can have, if you wanted to have equal greens and blues, if you wanted to have green, blue, and yellow, if you could, you could just play with that ratio of what is left after the foundation color. But the foundation is important, especially those of you who are living in a home that has an open concept area. And my home, my first home was open concept. It was wonderful for toddlers. It had a circular floor plan. So you walked in, we were um, back door enterers. So our friends, we knew that someone was um, not our friend when they knocked at the front door. (laughs) So you entered our home through the back door super charming. And you walked right into our sunroom and that sunroom led to either the kitchen, the downstairs or the dining room. And you kept going in either way. You went to the dining room or to the kitchen and then either place would lead to the living room and it made a circular pattern. So imagine teeny tiny little toddlers running around giggling profusely at this little lap we had, this little track we had in our home. It was brilliant. (laughs) And Man, it saved me a lot of headache because on those cold winter Iowa days, we spent a lot of time running. But in each of those rooms, you walked from one room to the next, and it was like a jarring experience. Like I just mentioned, you walked from red to blue to brown to, I don't even remember what color it was, like an Italian um, uh, rolled painted job. And it was... Uh, incongruent. It was disconnected. Nothing was tying it together. And that is something I wish I would have changed. I wish I would have had a cohesive color palette that allowed the rooms to flow seamlessly into others so that it made sense. It made it feel like it was an intentional space um, for storytelling, for playing, for running those laps. The second thing I wish I would have known then is that it's okay not to buy everything all at once. Again, it's okay to take my time. It's okay to save a little bit of money. Basically, it's okay to make a plan. It all boils down to that. When you have a plan in place, whether it is creating that color palette, purchasing your furniture, getting the artwork framed that you finally want to have framed, 
When you have a plan in place, good things happen. You save money, you end up saving time, and you save yourself the hassle of changing something out the next year when you finally realize that that decision was made hastily and it needs to be changed. Making a plan matters. Making a plan is so important in home design that not doing it is kind of like uh, shoveling during a snowstorm. Like you just would not want to do that, right? It doesn't make any sense to go out and shovel your sidewalk when it is dumping snow. Not making a plan is kind of like brushing your teeth while you are eating. Okay, no one in the history of ever has ever done that, I don't think. (laughs) It just doesn't happen. It's not the most efficient way to go about getting clean teeth or, or eating. And I'm being very dramatic, of course, but when you, when you start purchasing and making changes, especially when it's like changes to the walls, big changes like painting, but making purchases too, like I'm finally going to buy that couch. I'm going to upgrade from that futon to that couch. When you make purchases without having a plan, you end up wasting money. You end up buying too hastily or making And what I mean by wasting money is you might get a great deal and you might, it might actually be a fantastic bargain, but what might happen is that because there was no plan in place with how it was going to sync well with the rest of your furnishings, the rest of your home, the color palette that you just spent time creating, or maybe you need to, it can feel like a waste of money when you get at home and realize, shoot, that doesn't go with anything else, but gosh, it actually was a good deal. And then you wind up replacing it sooner rather than later because it was a hasty decision. So how do you make a plan? I'm not going to go into the details of that, but it is in a previous episode. But the gist is this, understanding what your purpose is for that room, for each room that you're wanting to go about decorating, understanding that and understanding the anatomy of that room, the anchor pieces versus the peripheral pieces, And what you need versus what you want, all of that created together is going to help you understand which items are going to be the items of importance that you need to save first in order to make that impact. Now, one of the things that sets me apart from other designers is that I don't necessarily say, hand me your credit card. I don't say, give that to me and we're going to buy all the things all today. I don't because I was never there. (laughs) I don't think it's realistic. What I do think is realistic is understanding which changes can be made first to make the biggest impact first. And that is where you're going to be spending your money first. And gosh, guys, it doesn't always have to be the $2,000 couch. In fact, generally is not. So go back and listen. I think it's episode six or seven. If you're interested in, in learning how you can create the biggest impact change first and how all of that ties together with anchor pieces and peripheral pieces. Episode six or seven, I think. Okay. The third thing I wish I would have known is I wish I would have known that I don't have to say no to hand-me-down furniture because it's not new or heirloom furniture because it's not new because in its original state, in the state that it was going to be given to me, it was, dare I say, ugly. It wasn't my style. It was brown. I didn't want brown. It was whatever you put in the adjective of what it is you didn't like. I wish I would have known then 
that saying yes to these pieces could be a couple things. It could be a chance for me to really put a stamp and personality on this piece and start making it part of my story. Give it a new home, a new chapter, a new beginning in my home. I wish I would have known that. I wish, wish I would have known too that a lot of those pieces are, they're not retired yet. They're not done yet. They're not done doing their job. They just might be a little bit outdated, but outdated doesn't have to live in your space. I wish I would have known that and embraced that and said, been okay with saying, um, been okay with accepting a gift given to me, knowing that there are no strings attached and that I could have remediated it, modified it, painted it, changed it in a way that served my family um, and really was a reflection of my style. In that same light, I wish I would have allowed myself a little more freedom to shop secondhand for pieces of furniture that might have taken me beyond cinder block and wood plank to something that would have served the same purpose but might have looked a little bit better. There are so many ways that you can modify furniture that has good bones that doesn't have to mean that it stays in the 1930s wood tone that it came in. If it is functionally good and you don't necessarily like the chips and the water stains on it, there are ways around that. Of course, it took me a lot of years and a lot of projects to understand that change can happen just as dramatically to walls as it can to furniture. And there are rules I, I have in place for which furniture I will remediate and which ones I won't. So that is also in a previous episode. But if you are at all living with a piece of furniture like that, that you know it's ready for a new story or it's going to the curb, why not paint it? Why not give it that remediation? Yes, it is teachable. Yes, it is learnable. And yes, I have a class for that. And I want you to go to bit.ly forward slash painting furniture 101. And I want you to snag that up. At the time of this recording, it is still close to Cyber Monday. And that Cyber Monday sale has been extended until December 5th. So insert code shop small for 50% off. Okay, run, run right now. Go do that. <laughs> the fourth thing I wish I would have known when I was decorating my first home is that I wish I would have taken the time to understand a little bit more about who I am and what I like. Of course, this is in my 20s. And as you are young and you're active and you're doing all the things, sometimes being in touch with who you really are gets lost a little bit. And maybe even in your 30s and 40s and 50s too. But I wish I would have paid a little bit more attention to the things that I like. As a newly married and then a new mom, you know, you pay attention to and serve others so much all the time. And that's a good thing. It's how we build our families and um, relationships, but remembering, remembering the things that are really important and the things that you value as important can help in home design. Now, it doesn't mean that just because pandas were my favorite animal growing up, I want to plaster pandas all over my home, but maybe, <laughs> but it just means paying attention and being mindful that the changes that are made, do I really like that? Let me give you a specific. In my Iowa home, in my brown living room, I actually really liked the wallpaper in there. It was, um, it was wallpaper and it was like grass cloth. So it had a texture to it and it was a taupe and taupe of course at the time was all the rage. It was, it was fine. And we had dark leather, uh, dark brown 
leather furniture, which I, again, really liked. The thing I didn't really like was the curtains that we did custom make. My mother-in-law helped me make these red, um, silky curtains, and I didn't really like the rug. And the rug was, it was off the shelf at, at Lowe's. By the way, a uh, quick tip I'm inserting right now. Back then, of course, the selection was different, but did you know that um, there are some really great rug selections at Lowe's and Home Depot. And if you don't see it on the shelf, look online. And and even further tip, Home Depot has a pretty extensive furniture collection that has um, some fun some fun finds that are pretty reasonable um, that you might not find somewhere else. So go check that out and don't discredit those just because they are known as a hardware store. Okay, back to it though. But back in the day, I chose a rug that it just wasn't, it wasn't me. It's, it wasn't me then. And I knew it, it wasn't me now. And right now, honestly, I want to say gag me with the spoon because it just, it was not me. And it was brown. It had swirlies on it. It had red that mimicked the red of the curtains. Um, and every time I picture it in my mind, I think, you know, I can of course picture babies and doing their tummy time and the beloved dog at the time laying on the carpet and all those wonderful memories. So I'm very thankful for it for that. But I knew it at the time that I didn't like the rug and my husband liked the rug. And this goes into point number five, actually. And that's just recognizing that the compromise can be made when styles are different and it doesn't have to be all one or the other. So understanding your own style, what you really like and what you don't and compromising it in a way that doesn't negate the other person. Now, in all fairness, my husband did not bully me into picking this rug. He did not say we are having this rug or nothing else. There was nothing like that. It was a willing choice on my part, but I wish I would have said, let's take another weekend. Let's take two weekends. And you know what? If we need to take three months, let's take three months in order to purchase the rug that we both like, that won't make me want to gag myself with a spoon every time I see it. <laughs> and again, cue drama. And as we move a little bit more into point number five, the things I wish I would have known was about that compromise and understanding that compromises can be made. When you think about combining spaces with a partner, a, um, a spouse, maybe you're moving back in with your parents, I, I don't know, whoever you're living and sharing space with, when you're thinking about that, um, if it is an equal sharing opportunity, there can be ways that you can combine both. You can juxtapose masculine with feminine. You can juxtapose, in fact, contrast is, um, is juxtaposition, right? Contrast in home design makes things richer. It makes things more deep and a little bit more full. So think about if you like glam everything and you love the sparkly bling and you love the faux fur and you love all that, what would be the juxtaposition? what would be the contrast? And does your spouse, your partner, whoever you're sharing that space with, like the contrast of that? They might. And those two things could marry really well together, just like you and your hubby. Okay. And the last thing I wish I would have known uh, when decorating my first home is I wish I would have known and been okay with the idea that I don't have to have all the money right now in order to shop at the place, in order to shop at the place that has the stamp of designer approval on it, in order to make my home unique to me, 
in order to turn my home into a home that I love. Now, I knew when I was buying the cinder block and the plank that that wasn't a designer choice. (laughs) Even I knew that, and I was nowhere on the realm of being a home decorator then. But I also knew that the places that I could aspire to were not the Lowe's Lumberyard. They were, and I don't want to label labels because these might be your stores and that's okay, but knowing that it doesn't have to be the, you know, Rodeo Drive, it doesn't have to be the whatever is on that pedestal for you of design stores, it doesn't have to be that either. There is a good middle ground and especially now in 2021, almost 2022, as opposed to when I bought my first home, there are some wonderful middle grounds in big box stores like Target, like Walmart even, like Home Goods. I mean, these big box stores have some amazing style to it that sure might rival quality of those posh names, but in terms of style, fantastic. You can have a stylish home and all your products are from mid-range stores. Absolutely. But point is that you don't have to necessarily wait in order to get that windfall. You don't have to wait in order to meet that expectation that you're setting for yourself that you have to hire the designer who will only touch your room if you are spending $50,000. My point is you can have a home that you love today by making small changes if you know what those changes are. That's my point. My point is once you understand and you can put together all of these pieces of the puzzle and you have someone working with you to help you guide you along the way, you can make those changes and you don't have to spend a whole lot in order to do that. You don't have to have that windfall to make it happen. You don't have to beat the leprechaun to the gold pot at the end of the rainbow. (laughs) You can make it happen. And it's just a matter of knowing which steps to take first and then second, and then third, and then fourth, and so on. And sister friends, I can help you with that. So reach out. That same Cyber Monday sale is still going. Someone popped in on Tuesday, actually, and it was all closed. It was ready to be done, but someone popped in Tuesday, and someone said, hey, I really, really want to take advantage of that sale. Can I please? Is it too late? And I said, no, absolutely not, because I want design to be accessible to you. And fantastic. I'm happy to honor it. The sale is extended until the 5th. It gives you a couple more days. But after that, yes, it will be done. Fair warning, last chance. Here we are. But I do want to let you know, too, that if this is something that a design service is something that you are wanting to gift to your, your spouse, if you're wanting to have your spouse gift it to you, if you're wanting to gift it to your mom, if you're wanting to gift it to your auntie, your best friend, whatever, now is the time because it's never been more affordable, 50% off. So, and if you're not sure, and if you look on my website and you look at the four options that are there, I actually do, um, an a la carte menu as well. So if you would like my, my pricing menu for something that might be a little bit different than what's offered, reach out because I can, I can send that to you or just start the conversation. And that conversation can lead into what I think could be the best option for you because it might not be the highest price package. And oftentimes it isn't. So reach out and let's have that conversation. You know where to find me, figandfarmathome.com or on my email, uh, figandfarmathome at gmail.com. 
girls. I hope this was inspirational for you as you are starting afresh, as you are sitting in the same living room where your furniture has been arranged for the last 20 years, or if you are staring at that wall that hasn't been painted for 12 years and you're wondering, what do I do now? I hope that this will inspire you to move forward in those changes. And if those changes aren't ready until January, no worries. But start that conversation now, book that service, book that call so that you're ready for the new year when we are super motivated to do a little more. All right, until next time, I hope you're all well. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.